and we'll start uh, through the word. Father, I thank you that your son, our savior, is victorious over sin, over death, over the grave, that he rules and reigns, that he sits at your right hand, that every knee one day will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so we're here to do it now, willingly to worship I pray for this last time in your word this morning for me, that's just that you'll give me the physical strength, but more importantly, Lord, that by your spirit, you would use a broken person to encourage and build your church through the scripture, that by your spirit, you would move and that I would get out of the way and that you would draw men and women to yourself and boys and girls, that you would, uh, in just a mighty way, Lord, just give us joy and satisfaction in obedience to you and knowing you, and for someone who's hardened this morning, they're just mad, they're bitter, they don't know why they're here, that you would open their eyes to the beauty of Christ, uh, that you would make us the kind of church that you want us to be. We are excited about what you're doing. We are pumped about what's coming. But Lord, uh, just, just right now, let us focus on what you've called us to. And so I pray these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. You know what? This is... Lord willing, I'd say Hail Mary's if I was Catholic, I ain't, so I won't. This is like my last fourth service ever. I'm like, woo! Now, I say that, and then God's going to be like, ha-ha, I know better next week. So we're praying hard that we get our temporary CO, and that me and Matt and the guys, that this is our truly last fourth service. But if not, we'll postpone it a week, but just keep your email open. We'll talk more about that later. Me and William, uh, Kane, were in this room last week, and, and we get some of our best work done impromptu, and I'm lying on that front row right there, just kind of like, you know, and he's sitting on the stage, and we're just talking about life, and that is really where we probably come up with more of our thoughts and ideas than anywhere else. We're just looking up at the ceiling, and I see that stain right there that's been there for like 37 years. You can't see it from video venue, but you can come in later if you want to just gawk. Um, and I... I just reminded of all just the great times that we have had in this room in the last six years. We moved into this room six years ago, y'all. It was only a hundred of us, and so we thought, "Oh, this is so big. We'll never outgrow this place." You know, it was great. And now, you know, four services later, we're on the way out. Um, and I just was we just thinking about all the funny things about this room. If you've been here for any amount of time, kind of you, you you've been here for some of the fun stuff. Um, I was just reminded outside just a few minutes ago, we used to have veggie tail popcorn parties in this room. We'd bring all the chairs back, put all the kids. It was a mess. We had a blast just watching veggie tails with some of our kids. There we, back in the day before we rebuilt this stage, the piano was literally right here. And so if you came in this door, like you didn't know that, that this, the piano was right there, that you, in the middle of singing, the, guy, the pianist would look at you like you're crazy and then you'd, be, you'd feel all guilty and have to walk around. That's just the way it was. We had the drum set was up here, and it was all held up by one brick. There was this brick that literally, because of the nature of the stage, we had to put a brick to hold up, and it just kind of was, it was known as the brick, and it was just kind of a funny thing for us, not to mention coffee stains on the carpet, um, or once in a while, that front row up there would just kind of, oops, the coffee or the water, and it comes on down in the middle, and no one knows it except for the back row and the, and the balcony people in the new facility do not put coffee on the balcony, just I'm telling you right now. We don't need anybody getting burned or spilled. There are, cup, there are cup holders in some of the chairs, and so don't spill. I know, I know, we, we roll that way here. I mean, I mean we're going to worship with coffee wherever we go, okay? <laughs> just so you know, God loves coffee and your soul, and we have both together. That's the way it works here. 
So things like that. Just I, remember, if you were here two years ago, remember the popping? You remember that every 15 minutes, all of a sudden, bam, out of the nowhere. And when everyone would be like this, I'd be like, you've been sleeping. Everyone, you get woken up. And we couldn't figure out what it was for eight months. Every Sunday, every sermon, pop, pop. Finally, we figured out. Those are the kind of things I'm going to miss. Right? Because when I look up at that stain, I look at this fun little building that is nestled in this neighborhood that none of y'all even knew was here, probably. I'm reminded what Paul says to the Corinthians, that God used the weak he used the low, he used the despised things to shame the wise, right? And, and why? So that no man could boast. So nobody can boast. It's, oh, we did something. And this, this, is, this, this group of people, this staff, this building, it's just proof that God, he, not, he uses things that are seemingly weak to display his glory. And in this great little room, y'all, in the, just in the last six years, so much good stuff has happened. Christ has been honored and worshiped in this room every week, in the video venue, every week. Uh, we have sung songs. People have come forward in baptism to proclaim their faith. Prayers have been answered. People's lives, people's eternal destinies have been changed in this room where they were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ, right? In this room, it's all taking place. People have cried. People have laughed. People have gotten married, it's been awesome. I've had the privilege, just in six short years, we were doing the math this week, I've preached about, I think it's like 15 or 16 different books of the Bible in this room, all right? And, and I probably, I'm not going to say never, I probably will never preach Ezekiel, but we're going to preach some more in the new room. We'll try to get through most of the Old and New Testament by the time, you know, before my time is up or, or God calls me away or whatever that looks like, but it's just been awesome. G great stuff. And, and as we move, and there's a lot of excitement, and look, there's a lot of confusion, and quite honestly, we have no clue what to expect next week, and so um, we're a little nervous. I almost told you not to invite anybody next week. That's not a great church growth strategy, I, just, but I'm thinking, you know, you might want to tell them to wait a couple weeks, but you know what? If they don't like us on week one, they ain't going to like us on week 18, so bring it. Just tell them this is how it is every week. I mean, then they'll be fine. Um, but before we kind of step on the anthill and make everything crazy and kind of move over there and combine four services into two, just wanted to remind you of something this morning. Um, remind you that even though we're going to change the location of where we worship together, that we're not changing what we do, that Jesus is not changing what we're called to do just because we moved to a little bit bigger room. And so if you're looking for a new message today, I'm not going to give you a new message. I'm, I'm going to give you an old one. Not one that I've preached, but one that you've probably heard. And it's nothing necessarily crazy new, but it is something we need to be reminded of. What is Jesus calling us to that we've been doing here? And he's going to be calling us to it there as well. That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to look at a very famous, probably familiar story to many of you. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 8. So go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 4 through 21. This is commonly called the parable of the sower, which is a horrible name because it has really nothing to do with the sower. It has everything to do with the dirt, all right? It's a parable about the soil, not about the sower. Just like the prodigal son is not really about the prodigal son, it's actually about the father, all right? So we have bad names for Jesus' teaching, so don't pay attention to the editors. Pay attention to Jesus when you're reading your Bible. Um, if you're new to the scripture and you're like, what is a parable? 
That's kind of a fancy spiritual word. A parable, very simply, is a story with a spiritual point. All right, Jesus tells a lot of them. This is actually the first one he tells in the Gospels. It's one that's found in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's very simple. It's got a point. And it is a significant point for us as we remember what we're doing and what we're called to as we move from this building to that. So where Jesus is in his ministry at this point, it's early on. He's called the 12 disciples. There's lots of buzz going around about Jesus, stirring it up a little bit. And here's what he says. Verse 4. I get my slide to work. Oh, it's off. See, there we go. Now we got it. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to hear him, he said in the parable. And let's just kind of stop right there. What we know now is there's huge crowd going on. What we find out from Matthew and Mark is that Jesus, there's such a big crowd, Jesus got to get into a boat, all right, to teach from a boat, which is probably kind of cool, actually. Um, so he sits down in the boat, and thousands of people are standing on the shore. We don't know how many thousands, but great crowd elsewhere in Matthew and Mark equates to about 20,000 in one place. So we don't know how many thousands, but we know that it's more than 100 there's lots of people, they're there to hear, maybe for the first time, this, this, this carpenter from Nazareth, all this buzz is going on, they want to hear a word from Jesus, and what you need to understand right off the bat is, Jesus is really not impressed with the crowds. He's not thinking, he doesn't look over at Peter and John like, can you believe all these people? Well, how about that? All I did is heal a couple people, look at the crowd. He's not wowed by all the people. This is the same Jesus who in eternity past was worshipped by every being in the heavenly places. The angels of heaven have been constantly worshiping. Holy, holy, holy is the, is the, is the Lord God Almighty in eternity past. So a couple, you know, a couple thousand smelly people from Galilee, he's just not that impressed. All right? He's just not that impressed. That is not the goal. The goal is not, man, we should start a church. We can call it Galilee Bible Church, GBC. It sounds good. It rings off the tongue. That's not what he's thinking. That's not what he's looking for. What is he looking for? Well, he tells a parable to, to let them know and to let us know. So let's look at the parable. And a, a sower went out to sow his seed. And this is, a, again, a very familiar thing for them. Uh, it's an agrarian society, so they understand the illustration. A sower goes out. As he sowed, some fell along the path, was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, and literally it's one word in the Greek text, hear. Right? If he was ears to hear, here. So picture this now. All these people, all this buzz. Jesus is teaching. Everyone's excited. Oh, the best teacher ever. Oh, is he cool? He's healed people. They come. Jesus says, okay, let's begin. Got a, a farmer. He's kind of chucking seed everywhere. Not necessarily the best way to farm, but that's what he's doing. You know, some gets eaten by birds. Some gets, you know, burned by the sun. Some gets choked out. And some brings forth fruit. Amen. You're dismissed. Drop your tithe in the box on your way out the door, right? That, that's it. That's the sermon. And everyone's like, really, that's all? What do we do now? Should we go farm? Is that the application? Right? And so they leave. And the disciples, I love the disciples. So they come to Jesus. They get him kind of away, and he's got maybe some of the Mary Magdalene, some of the ladies there. And like, Jesus, man, that was powerful stuff. I mean, great, talking about great sermon got me right here. I mean, all right. 
That's God. It's, it's all. Just can I one just question? What what were you talking about? What did that mean? Don't you love that the, the, the ones who are closest to Jesus have no clue what he's saying? That, that's encouraging to me, right? And so they, the disciples asked him, they said, what does the parable mean? And in, another, in the other gospels, he says, why do you speak to people like this? Why do, you, why do you teach them in parables? And so Jesus responds. He says, to you, and it's emphatic in the Greek text. He's like, y'all get to know the secrets. You're given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But others, they're in parables, And here's why. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6. He said, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, that's a heavy statement. I mean, you're saying you want them to see, but you don't really want them to see. You want them to hear, but you don't really want them to hear. What does that even mean? Well, I don't have time to unpack it today. So here's what I want you to do. Because William Cain loves hard sermons, because he told you that last week, that he always gets the hard sermons, I want you to call him <laughs> and ask him. WCain at cbcsavannah.com, because he wants all the hard stuff, right? But the reality is this. It's a tough statement. But here's kind of this, in simplistic terms, what Jesus is saying. He's, I speak in parables, because the nature of a parable is it does two things. It both reveals and it conceals at the same time. And it all depends on how do you respond. If you respond to what I've said, then it will be revealing. If you do not respond to what I've said, it'll be concealing. That's why he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It all comes down to how do you respond to the truth that you have been given. And in some people, because they reject Jesus, specifically Israel, it is a judgment to them that God is revealing himself, but yet they harden himself. And so he, he says, you're not going to get anything. And that's the point. But the question for us is, how do you respond? Because for years I read this parable and I just kept coming to it. And, and the question I always ask, and it's probably some of the questions you asked before, is, well, which ones are truly Christian? Which ones are the real Christians? Which ones are not? And, you know, and that, that's kind of the, the point of the parable. That is a great question to ask, but it is not the point of the parable. All right? Okay, the point of the parable is not for you to be Mr. Fruit Inspector and be like, oh, which one are you? Are you rocky or are you the thorny soil? Oh, I know you. You're the hard heart. That's not the point. Yes, there's only one that is a true believer, and that is the one who bears fruit. That is true. But the point is not for you to go and inspect everyone's fruit. The point is for you to ask, which one am I? How do I respond to the word? That is the point. And so are you going to be like the disciples who orient their lives around what Christ has said? Jesus, I don't get it, but I want more. And he says, okay, you get more. Or are you going to be like, you know, me in high school when the science teacher, the math teacher is explaining something like, does that make sense, everyone? Everyone's like, yeah. And Fowler's in the back saying, no. But I don't want to raise my hand and say no because then I look dumb, which I was. But I didn't want everyone to know I'm dumb, so I don't say anything, and then I go and fail, Right? So you have two points when you're, when you're given truth. Are you going to be like the disciples and respond? Or are you going to just be like, well, I don't really know and I don't really care? That's the option. The disciples respond, so Jesus gives them more. He says, all right, here's the parable. The parable is this. This is one of the few parables he actually explains, by the way. He doesn't explain many of them, but this one he does. He says, the seed is the word of God, the word that is from God, the message of Christ in the context of the gospel, broader context, the scripture. 
This is the word of God. Is the message how man was created by God, man rebelled against God, God promised a redeemer for man, God redeemed man through his son Jesus on the death of the cross and his resurrection, and how he was bringing glory to himself by one day, bringing all things in culmination and, and delivering us and ultimately living forever with him. I mean, that's the story of the scripture from the beginning to the end. It is the word of God. So he says, that's the seed. So we're sowing the seed, and the, and the soils represent four responses. Here's the first one. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes the word away so that they may not believe and be saved. So you have first this, this soil that is represented by, you know, in between the rows of the crops, there's the place where they walk, and they walk up and down, and they walk up and down, and they walk up and down, and eventually it gets hard. And so when they throw seed on it, it's so hard, it doesn't penetrate it. And so Mr. Blue Jay and Mr. Cardinal and Mr. Painted Bunning, they come and they have themselves a little meal and they take it away. He says, this hardened soil, this hard soil is pictured by people who just have hard hearts. The problem is not the devil. It's not, oh, the devil came and take the word away. The problem is the devil was able to come and take the word away. Why? Because their heart is hard. They don't want to hear it. I mean, they just don't care. It, it's people that are like, you really want me to orient my life around some dead Jewish carpenter? Really? That's dumb. You want me to stop sleeping with this and stop doing this and waste my time Sunday morning here? That's dumb, right? It's a hard heart. Or on the flip side, it could be someone that's in church, that's religious, that comes to church because it's the Southern thing to do, but they really could care less about what scripture says, or worshiping Jesus for that matter. They're just there. It's almost time. Fowler's long today. Yeah, you're in last service. Fowler's always long last service. Uh, it could be that. Whatever the issue is, because of a hardness of heart, they don't receive. And the devil makes it harder because he comes and takes the word. That's the first type. Here's the second type. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root, and they believe for a while. In the time of testing, they fall away. And so theirs is a shallow faith, right? And, and, and those days, there's a bedrock in, in, in the Middle East in this, in this part of the world where there's a little bit of topsoil, but there's this hard limestone bedrock underneath, and the, and the seed that fell on it, it would grow real quick because there was warmth under there. But it could never penetrate into the, rock, into the rock. And so when the sun came out and started getting hot, there was nothing to, to draw from. The root was just shallow and it was scorched. He says, this is what that looks like. There's those who believe and for a little bit they're excited. This is the person that come down front and they're like, Jesus! And they go to youth camp and they want to be a youth leader for the rest of their life. Or they go to some great big function and they want to be a missionary now. And they, they're excited and they're passionate and they're yeah and their hands up and they're all clapping. You know, all that. There's joy. But they have no root. So they believe for a little bit. And then when stuff gets hard, there's a time of testing, and Matthew and Mark say it's testing on account of the word. So their, their faith is now, the rubber is meeting the road. There is a sin to deny. There's struggles in their marriage. Their kids are going through this. They lose their job. There's depression. Whatever it is, it gets real, and because it's not just easy and, and woo and happy, just happy, toy, joy, and singing, because it's not that anymore, they're gone. They're gone, Right? And I can't even tell you in just my six short years in this building how many people were, Woo, love the Lord, love the Lord. They're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. And then all of a sudden they're gone and you can't even get them to text you back. And you're like, bro, where are you at? It's like they just vanished. 
time and time again. Why? They were shallow, right? The next one, as for that which fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit doesn't mature, right? The thorny is the strangled soil. What happens is, is these two plants are growing together, and it's no big deal at first. They're little buddies. Yeah, they're growing together, growing together, growing together. And all of a sudden, they're competing for the same nutrients and the same, same uh, fluid and water, and, and one chokes the other, and there's these huge weeds in the Middle East, six feet over six feet tall, these thorn bushes. And when they're small, it's no big deal. But eventually it chokes it. And it kills it and it strangles the life. Right? And so this, this is what it looks like in the church. Someone's here, they're here, they're fine, they're here for a while. And, and all of a sudden there's a challenge to just to submit to Christ in this area or to obey or to follow or to, to repent. And there's just the response is, you know what? Whether it's because it's hard or into instant gratification or whatever, there's just, you know what? I'm, I'm not listening to Christ over here. I'm going to do what I want. It's my life. I'm not as bad as that person. And there's a, a hand in the face of God. There's a, I don't care what God says. I am going to do it my way. Right? And so it, it gets choked out. And, and it looks like, and it's slow, y'all. It starts slow. The weed grows slowly. So this is not an overnight process. But I've, it looks like this. We start looking out, and it seems like everyone else is having so much fun. I mean, they just do what they want with who they want, when they want, how they want. They get to do whatever they want. And here am I, Mr. Miserable Christian. I live in a miserable life because Christians are miserable. And what happens is we buy a lie as if God is anti-joy, as if God is against our pleasure, as if God is against riches and, and enjoyment. And we buy the lie of Genesis 3. And we look, oh, look how fun it is out there. They get to do whatever they want. I'm just a sad, miserable loser Christian. God just wants me to suffer. It's a lie. Right? It is a lie. And it shows, here's what shows how broken we are as people and how broken our heart. When we can look out there and see people doing what God calls death, that guy's sleeping with who he wants and just using women to, to, for his own pleasure and just kind of throwing them away. I like that. That looks good to me. When we call that life and God calls it death, it shows how broken we are. When we're out self-medicating and, and throwing up after a night of whatever, man, that looks good to me. That's life. When we call that life and God calls it death, it just shows how broken. They're just racking up their debt and buying, 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 buying. Man, they're just so happy. They, get, they, they, can't even, they can't even pay their bills, but look how happy they are. When we are calling that debt life and it's death, it shows how broken. And when we start looking at that and wanting it, instead of the joy and the fulfillment that we can get in Christ, it, it just chokes the mess out of you. Comfort. Just being, that's, that's one of the big gods of, of, of our culture is comfort. And it just chokes the mess out of you, right? And we gotta be, this is the American church. Look, I, if I had to say, where are we at as a church? Most of us are not the hard path. You know why? You wouldn't come to this church if you were, most of you. Because who's gonna slam into a room that's 85 degrees and have to park five miles away and deal with a bunch of people? You're not gonna do that. It's too hard. So probably not that one. But we could be, you know, we could be the shallow, but most of us probably, if we're real honest, 
we're getting choked, some of us. This is where we need to be on guard. Because in the end, these people, whoever they are, prove, so prove themselves to not be true believers because they don't persevere. It's not that you can't fall as a Christian. It's not that you can't ever sin. We will, you'll sin before you leave, probably. But true believers will persevere to the end as the reformers taught, right? Perseverance of the saints. They'll show their fruit. And so Jesus says, none of these are the genuine, right? None of these are the real deal. Ultimately, here's what I want for you. CBC, this is what we want to be, the good soil, right? The good soil. And what is it about the good soil? Look what he says. As for that in the good soil. And I'm asking the question this week, what's the difference between the good soil and the path? I mean, what's the difference? The, The difference is not in the message. They all get the same message, right? They all hear the word. They all get the same message. So it's not in that. You can't blame it on, oh, the devil made me do it. No, no, the devil's resisting the church too. Well, it's, you know, it's because of, the, of the, the hot sun and the time of testing. Who hasn't had hard times? Everyone gets hard times, right? Well, it's because of the, you know, I got all these temptations. Everyone's got the cares of the world and the pleasures of the world to deal with. We all do. So it's not those things that make the difference. What is it that makes the difference in the good soil? Look at their response. After hearing, they hold fast to it. They hold fast. They, they cling. There is a tenacity to the word. We, we, last couple of weeks, one of our keyboard pianists, Rhett Miche, he's gotten my family into this, this show, Ninja Warrior. You watching the show? It's awesome. Hello. Awesome. Right? If you're from the 80s and you remember American Gladiator, remember the Gladiator set? It was awesome too. This is like the ver- new version of that, okay? And so <laughs> some of you are nodding more now than you were in the singing. That's the sad part, but that's another story altogether. Um, so we're watching this show, and you know these guys and gals are going through all these. You know, they're climbing up everything, and you know, it's amazing. And there's this one that's super hard. It's these like poles, and they grab onto it. I mean, by this time their upper body is shredded because they're just like climbing all this stuff, and they're just hurt. But they got to grab on. They're over the water, and they got to reach out and grab the next one. And it's just like a straight down pole, and they're just grabbing and holding with all their might, and they're clinging to this thing with a tenacity so that they don't fall into the water. And that is the kind of tenacity that we're talking the good soil that they hear the word and they cling to the word with all they got, and they hold it fast with, look, an honest and a good heart. It's just honest. It's not hard. It's not justifying. It's God says this, I'm over here. Oh, man, okay. God says this direction, I'm not going that direction, right? I'm going to walk in the fullness of what God has said. And look at the result. Here's, Here's the result. They hear They hold fast, just good and honestly, and what happens? They bear fruit, okay? And I know bear fruit for some of you that if you're, again, not new to the church, you're like, what's bear fruit? What do Christians walk away with apples hanging under their arms or something? What is that? Fruit is just, it's a metaphor for demonstrating the character of Jesus in its simplistic form, that there starts to be love for their enemy and their neighbor, for their brother, that there is joy, that there is patience, right? The, the husband becomes more patient than he was. There is a gentleness. There is a faithfulness. There's self-control. There's denying self. There's giving of oneself. There's serving one another. There's generosity. These are fruit, right? 
And, and, it, and it's not rocket science. What I want you to see, Terry, you don't have to go to seminary and blah, blah, blah. It's hear the word, cling to the word. The good heart and fruit. You bear fruit. You, you listen, you respond, and, and we bear fruit. That, there it is. But notice that little prepositional phrase. Love it, love it at the end. With patience. Right? Circle that, underline it, highlight in your Bible, because that is critical. That it, it, there's patience, there's endurance, there is steadfastness. And we are a culture, and I am a pastor and father and, and husband that does not like patience. And I certainly don't like endurance. I like it now. I want it now. I want that building done now. I went to Sonic this week. Maybe the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. Okay. I, all I ordered was a corn dog, a chili dog, and, and a kid's meal, chicken fingers. That's it. $7. Please pull into the parking lot, sir. We'll bring your order out shortly. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> pull over. 20 minutes later, I could have killed the chicken and the pig in that time. And I'm mad. I'm about to walk in and talk to a man. I mean, this is supposed to be fast food, right? Because I want it now. Here's the thing about fruit. It's never quick. Never quick. Endurance, step by step, maybe a three-week season, maybe a 10-year season. What does Paul say in Galatians? He said, don't grow weary of doing good. For in due season, you will reap. What? If what? If we don't give up. If you persevere, if you endure, if you keep going, don't quit like the shallow. Don't be distracted like the thorns. If you persevere, right? Persevere. We got this, again, we have this lemon tree in the backyard. Like seven months ago, I started seeing little, little dots. I was so excited. Lemons. I'm going to have an Arnold Palmer party, right? We're going to have that sweet tea and lemonade for those of you who think I'm like getting boozed up on the weekends, okay? That's, I'm thinking, we're going to have Arnold Palmer's homemade. Seven months later, I st- the lemons are just starting to turn yellow. And there's only like 11 of them. So that's one Arnold Palmer. But I'm going to drink that puppy, homemade Arnold Palmer with the fruit of my lemon tree. But it's just taking forever. Forever. Sometimes that's the way it is. And you just have to endure. Right? You, you have to, to persevere. That's what Jesus, Jesus is not looking for the event. He's not looking for just this one-time deal. And he's certainly not looking for just a bunch of people who like his sermons. I mean, do you think about the number of people that saw and heard Jesus? Thousands of people heard his sermons. The best preacher who ever lived. They got to hear the best preaching ever. They got to see legitimate miracles. Lazarus, out of the grave, 5,000 fed, boom, demon possession, boom, blind man, boom, all these great things. And it didn't make a lick of difference for most of them. Even the Pharisees that legitimately saw Lazarus, they said, we, we legitimately see that this is a miracle. And they still killed him. It's not about hearing, y'all. It's about what you do with it. Right? Because it is the word of God. Think about that phrase. I think it's the most important phrase in this entire parable. It is the word from God. It's from God himself. The living word, speaking the word that the Lord Jesus by his spirit has spoken, is still speaking today. If you're looking, John Piper says this, you want a word from the Lord? You want to hear God speak? Everyone's like, yeah, I want to hear God speak. 
read your Bible out loud. There you go. You can get all different voices, you know. You know, you can do Darth Vader and the Lord said. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But it is God speaking because his word is his voice. And here's the thing. I think that if we, if we had a glimpse like Peter and James and John, and they got to see the glorified Savior on the Mount of Transfiguration, by the way, the response of God the Father was, this is my son, listen to him. If we could see the Lord Jesus right now, seated on his throne, which is what we try to bring you into when we sing about the solid rock and the triumphant Christ, that you would just have a, a, a glimpse of him a little bit. But if you could see him, I think you would pay attention to him. Our problem is just like, uh, yeah, Bible, good sermon, yeah, right? Saw this great video clip this week on, ES, I think it was ESPN.com. It was of Ronaldo. Okay, now Ronaldo is a guy, he plays a quasi-sport. It's called soccer. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's not a real sport, but it's kind of a sport. But he's apparently a very good soccer player. So he's from Spain, or he, he plays for a team in Spain. And uh, so they dressed him up like a homeless man. And he's like 6'4 or something. I mean, he's huge. But, so they dress him up, they give him a little dog, and they give him a soccer ball. And he goes to this square Somewhere in Madrid, where he plays for Real Madrid, I think. So, is that right, soccer fans? Okay, good. Okay. A non-soccer fan, whatever. Okay, anyway, so he's out, and he's playing soccer. You know, he's kind of kicking the ball and doing all these cool kind of things. And, and everyone's kind of like, eh, no big deal. I mean, he's doing all this kind of trickery, and you know, woo, you know the ball's going everywhere. And, and, and he's trying to pass to some people, and people just kind of let the ball run. You know, who's this homeless guy trying to, you know, pass the ball to me? And he, I mean, there's people walking by him, like, no big deal. Right? And he's, he's second best in the world, best player in the world, whatever. He, finally, he gets this little, like, eight-year-old boy. And this little eight-year-old boy is playing with him. He's kicking the ball, and his eight-year-old boy is passing it back. And then he's like, take the ball from me, you know, in Spanish. And, you know, so the kid can't take it. And he's doing all these crazy, woo, you know, doing all these things and f- for, like, a couple minutes. And the kid cannot get the ball away from Ronaldo. And finally, he picks up the ball. He's like, high-five. He high-fives him. Picks up the ball, picks out a Sharpie. <sighs> signs Ronaldo. <sighs> takes off the mask. And everyone's like, you know, I mean, they're like, you know, and they're all now, they're all excited. They all run, oh, you know, look at their love. And he's walking out with this little boy. All right. A minute ago, everyone's blowing him off. Yeah, it's a pretty good soccer player, but you know, he's a homeless guy. Next minute, he's the most famous guy in, in that country, right? I think that we treat God and his word like homeless Ronaldo. And if you could just see the God behind the scripture who is wooing, who is sowing, who is drawing, who is for your joy, who is for your contentment, who wants you to be satisfied in him as he is glorified in us, that he wants and that he has actually created you to, to for good works and good deeds to bear fruit, that he wants to take this little, tiny, miniature gospel seed Think about the nature, just a seed so small and bear a hundredfold in your heart and in your life that he wants to do that in you, that you have the potential by his spirit and through his word, if you just put yourself under the word and respond to the word, that you can bear fruit that you won't even, you don't even know. That is his desire for us. And it's just simple, place under the word, respond to the word, and he brings the fruit. We don't bear, we don't bring the fruit, he brings it. Right? He, he brings it all, but we put ourselves in a position. That's what you're created for. Right? 
That's what, that's what we want to be, CBC. That's, that's what matters. Not a thousand people meeting in another room. That, that's exciting. And, and Jesus, in this passage, in this very passage, he don't even have time to unpack it, but he reiterates it in two different ways. He tells another parable. He, he breaks every grammar rule and mixes his metaphors, but he's the son of God, so he can do it. And he says, hey, you don't, you don't hide a lamp on, under a bed. You put it out so people can see it. Right? That's the purpose of it. Your faith, it may be personal, but it is not private. It's supposed to be lived out, right? It's supposed to bear fruit. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known. Eventually, all will be revealed by the light who is Christ. So here's what he gives, he tells the disciples. Take care then. Pay attention then to what? How you hear. Because the one who has, more will be given. What do the disciples have? They say, God, Jesus, what does this mean? And he gives them more. But the crowd... They don't want any more. He doesn't get any more. How do you respond to what you've been given? You're like, I don't understand it. Just keep seeking. Keep hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and God will, will satisfy. Right? That, that's the idea. Because if you don't, even what you think you have is going to be gone. And then just, just in case you were wondering if he's really talking about what he was, well, I love what happens next. His mom and his brothers come. They can't get to him because the crowd, and there's sweet Mary over there in the corner. You know, his brothers, you think he's a wacko at this point, but they still want to see him because they're a brother. And, and he says, your mom, your brothers are standing outside. They want to see you. It's been a while. And he answered them and said, my mother and my brothers are those who, listen to him, hear the word of God and do it. Who are my family? Who's my, who's my family? Who's closest with me? Those who hear and do. Is there any doubt what he's been saying? What does he want from us, right? He just wants us to put ourselves under his word and to do, not to earn his favor. Y'all, if you're thinking, I'm gonna be a good person, I'm gonna make God happy with me, you're missing the point. This has nothing to do with earning God's favor. This has everything to do with living in light of his favor. You're not gonna earn his grace. You cannot. This is what happens when you have been experiencing his grace, when you are born again, that you will bear fruit because, because of who he is, because of what he's done, Right? Look, I, no one is more excited than me and Matt Moore for next Sunday in the booth because we're the ones that are here for everything, right? So we're like, woo, you know, everyone, and Ethan, okay, and Ethan and his team too. So we, we're like, woo, four services down to two. It's going to be awesome. That is exciting, right? But that's not the end all be all. What's more exciting is that in 10 years, the same group of people are still worshiping and following Jesus. Now that... That is exciting. See, that's what matters. Not how many people we can fit into one building. It's, we want to be a church. We have an opportunity as a church. We can be either, either a church that's in the city, that's just kind of we meet here, but eh, no big deal. We can be a church against the city where it's us versus them. We can be church of the city where we're just like everyone else, or we can be a church for the city is what Keller says. That's where we want to be a church that is for the city, that we are bearing fruit in the city, that the things of our lives, our relationships, our money, our sports teams, our hobbies, that these things don't choke out our faith, but they are places in which we bear fruit of our faith. And it's gonna come when you put yourself under the word, respond to it, do it, and bear fruit, right? And here's, so here's kind of three, again, these are our three takeaways. Number one, that we expose ourselves to the scripture. That's what we do. And so that, what that means is, as, as far as we go, what we've been doing in here, we're going to do in there, just two times instead of four. Amen. Hallelujah. All right? We're going to teach you books of the Bible. We're starting Philippians in two weeks. All right? So 
that's what we're going to keep doing. And we're not going to emphasize the event. Right? Here's why. Okay? If you go back and look at your church history a little bit, there's a guy about 200, 300 years ago. His name was Finney. All right, this guy was part of the Second Great Awakening, and he was all about the event. He could put on a show, and he could preach a sermon, and then he would have the choir, and he'd have this big thing called an invitation. That was where the invitation, by the way, was invented, right? There was no invitation until him. And then he had this thing up front called the anxious bench, where he'd put all these people, he would want them to make a decision, and he'd make them sit there for 37 verses of just as I am until they made a decision, Right? <laughs> And finally, they would come up, and it would be all about the event. It would be all about the decision, all about crossing the line. The problem with the Second Great Awakening is 10 years later, all these people have fallen away, or a lot of them. Because it was just about, it was a, a moment. It was success in a moment. Get them across the line. Rush them to make a decision rather than call them to a life of following Christ. We don't want to be that. We're, we're not going to push just this one thing and make it to everyone all emotional. We want to see you called to something greater denying yourself and following Christ. And we'd love to walk with you in that. We want to encourage you with that. But we feel like the best thing we can do then is feed the sheep. We're going to teach the scriptures. We're going to do our best. And they're not the greatest sermons ever, but they're going to be based on scripture. But here's another thing that we need to do, and you need to do, and I need to do, is that you need to constantly be exposing yourself to the truth of God's word, personally. Because this is where some of us are a little lazy, right? Some of us are a little lazy in our time with Jesus and his word. And you're like, wow, I'm just so busy. Busy, 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 busy. Ah, busy. Everyone's busy. Okay, I get it. But you will make time for that which you value. So you, if you're, you're like, I like to run. You're going to spend 40 minutes. You're going to put that time apart so you can run. You like, you like Netflix. You're going to watch your show on Netflix. You're going to Facebook. You're going to Instagram. You will make time for that which would you value. And so we need to start valuing the truth of Scripture. Start with Philippians. Please don't start with Ezekiel. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Ezekiel. He's a good dude, but I don't even understand him sometimes. So start with Philippians. Read through Philippians one time every day for the next month. It'll take you about eight minutes. Write down some thoughts. Just ask some questions of the text and think about them. And you're like, well, my thoughts are dumb. Yeah, so what? So are mine. No one's going to read them. God's not like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're so dumb. I wouldn't know they were... (laughs) Wow, it shocks me how dumb some people. He's not doing that. Just reflect on the text. What does this mean for me? What does this look like if I obey? Just spend, you're connecting with the living Savior who's like, come on. Don't you love that little, there's a, that, that, at the end of chapter John, the Gospel of John, where Jesus is like, come have breakfast with me to his disciples. I just love that picture. I want to have breakfast with Jesus in the kingdom. Wouldn't that be awesome? Have some egos and some, some you know, fish or just chicken and waffles with Jesus. That'd be awesome. And just hanging with, that's, that's what we're talking about. Just read. Because, and I think the reason some of us don't, yeah, we're busy, but we just, this has become common because we have so many copies and because we can listen to MP3s and there's so many books and it's just become common. It's like living in Savannah. We have this beautiful city that most of us, you drive downtown and you miss it. You're just mad about the SCAD student that doesn't seem to know what the laws of being a pedestrian. And I get you. I feel your pain there. But have you just walked downtown in one of the squares lately and enjoyed that? See, that, we, I've had the chance to do that the last couple of weeks. Have you, you drive over the bridge and you're just mad that someone's in the left lane and you miss the beauty of the marsh and the water? We live in this gorgeous town that everyone comes to and we don't even see it anymore. Why? Because it's become common. That's what the word has become to some of y'all. And so ask God to awaken in your soul just the, the non-commonality of his truth. 
that it's a delight, that it's sweet. And when you start seeing that, man, you're going to hunger and thirst for it. So we want to expose ourselves. Then we just want to do it. We just want to obey. Ask God, what do you want me to do based on this? Some of you, William preached this amazing sermon last week on purity, and you've done nothing since then, right? You know, there's a relationship. It's still unhealthy. You've still got the same cable channels. You're still on the same phone. It's like, what, what good is it if you're not going to do anything? God speaks, you listen. You're going to mess up sometimes, yes, but God speaks and you move. That's what we do. So we expose ourselves to it, we do it, and then the biggest thing is we don't quit. And it's going to be hard. Sometimes obedience is hard. When your nature is pulling you over here, I get it is hard to go over here. Killing an addiction, it hurts. It feels like death because you've been gaining life from something that's not really life. And so you're killing that and you're coming up here. You're going to break up with someone because it's immoral. That hurts. No one's saying it's easy. I understand. But you're running from death to life. And you'll start seeing that as you pursue and as you walk and as you, as you constantly endure. Some of you are in a, a major pruning season of your life right now. It is hard. You're enduring things. I, man, I know. Surgeries, trouble in your marriage, wayward children, loss of job, financial struggles, college, this. It's huge issues that God is calling you to endure through. It's not easy. It's pruning. Pruning is not fun. We had our hedges trimmed a few months back into like little, you know, bushes. And man, now they're exploding. There's always pruning before there's fruit. So just you endure, right? You, you, You persevere. Do not quit. Because God is at work. How do I know? There's way too many promises where he says God is at work in you to will and work for his good pleasure, that he who began a good work will complete it, that you were created for Christ Jesus for good works that he, so that you may walk. I mean, there's just way too many promises saying God is doing something. And, and just, just from a private encouragement, let me say this. I know God is doing something because I, 20 years ago today, was the hardened path soil. I was a 20-year-old, 21-year-old punk who wanted nothing to do with God. I was selfish. I was arrogant. I was all about me. I was the guy that was using people. I was the guy that was throwing up in, in, the, in the stall. That was me. And God didn't quit. And he kept sowing his seed. And here I am today. So don't you quit. You persevere. Because God is gracious with us. He's, he's patient with us. And he's, he wants to bear fruit in us and in you. Let me close with this verse and then we'll worship. Love this verse. Whoever has my commandments, Jesus says, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. You want to love God? Just, just listen to him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I love this part. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. What's he saying there? The more you love him, the more of him you get right? The more you love God, you're like, I just want more of God, then love him. Well, how do I love him? Just listen to him. The more you listen to him, the more of him you get. It's a beautiful thing. And the more you harden yourself, the less of him. Look, I don't care about what people do. Oh, you guys are going to be in three services. That doesn't, I want to be a church of people who are passionate about the gospel, passionate about Jesus, that's it. Not trying to be the next whatever. We're just trying to figure it out as we go. But that's what we want to be. That's, that's an awesome thing to be that. Right? So let's, let's abide. Let's put ourselves under 
If there's something that you're hardening this morning, this is the time to end that. If you're, if you're hardening your heart, you're being choked out, as we sing, as we worship, as we pray, you just ask God to work and move in your heart that you'll be soft, that you'll be moldable. If you fall, yes, you're going to get up. God is gracious. If you confess your sins, he's faithful. He's just to forgive and cleanse. You don't need to be guilty. You don't need to be sitting there. Get up. Persevere. Endure. Love God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would move in your church, that you would bear fruit in your church, that you would help us to see where we're hard, to see where we're not moldable. Um, Lord, just, I trust your spirit to work. Please work in us for your name's sake and your glory. If someone's hardening themselves this morning, if they're playing with sin, if they're, they're allowing themselves to be choked, do a mighty work in their heart. If they think that you're just a joy killer or they're buying a lie, uh, just open their eyes to the truth that they're buying a lie, uh, that they are listening to the enemy of their soul. Uh, just please, there's a lot of details we don't know, Lord, but work mightily so that we may worship next door the next week and just have a joyful time. We are excited about what you're doing. We're, we're pumped. Uh, and so just keep doing what you're doing. We will get out of your way and just listen to you. And so we, we pray these things in your name for your glory. Amen.